how to shrink your podcast RSS feed, and why it matters. Welcome to The Audacity to Podcast, episode 269. Thank you for joining me for the Audacity to Podcast. I'm Daniel J. Lewis, and this is the award-winning in-depth podcast about podcasting. It's where I give you the guts and teach you the tools to launch or improve your own podcast for sharing your passions and finding success. Your podcast RSS feed, RSS, which stands for RDF Site Summary or Really Simple Syndication, is the core technology that makes distributing your podcast possible. And I want to tell you about why RSS size matters, what affects the size of your RSS feed, and how you can reduce the size of that podcast RSS feed. If you would like to follow along in the show notes for this episode, number 269, then go to the slash shrink RSS. I'm covering this topic in response to a question I received from Brian Buck from redticketblues.com. And he wanted to know how to decrease the size of the RSS feed. So let's get into that. But first, why does the size even matter? Most podcast apps, also sometimes called podcatchers or RSS clients like Feedly and others, download an entire RSS feed every time they check for new items, blog posts, podcast episodes, anything else in your RSS feed that comes from your site or your feed creation tool. A few apps, some web directories, and other browsers will actually read a special server code that essentially tells the requesting client, that app or software, whatever it is, that nothing has changed since a particular date, so that particular client will not re-download the entire feed. However, that's not very common for the podcast apps to do that, so for most apps, they are re-downloading the entire RSS feed every time they're checking to see if there's anything new. Thus, the larger your feed, the more bandwidth is required every time the app checks for new content. So feed size matters, first of all, for mobile data usage. For example, the Apple Podcast app will automatically check feeds up to every hour. If the podcast feed from your show is one megabyte in size, then that's one megabyte requested every hour or potentially 24 megabytes that the app has to download every day. And in a month, that's 720 megabytes to simply check if your podcast has a new episode. Now, the podcast app that you're using or that your subscribers may be using may not download the feed in the same way or use the same amount of bandwidth. They may cache those things, use push notifications, anything like that, that could make that much easier. But this is just for one podcast, and think about that for your subscriber. So if the subscriber doesn't have their app set to limit refreshes or downloads to when they're on Wi-Fi only, and they download this over cellular data, then you could be unintentionally causing unnecessarily large data consumption for your subscribers when you haven't even released an episode yet. Feed size also matters for speed. Small stuff downloads quickly, big stuff downloads slowly. That's the general rule on the internet. And this is certainly true for your podcast RSS feed. Keeping the size of that RSS feed down makes it download faster and thus lets your audience get your episodes much more quickly. 
This may seem very trivial when you're, we're talking about half a megabyte or one megabyte file sizes for RSS feeds, or maybe even something smaller than that, especially when we consider that many people have a high-speed data network on their mobile devices. But that's in the United States and North America. It may be very different in other countries. They may have much smaller data caps. They may have much slower internet connections on their mobile devices. And you want to try to make your content as accessible as possible for as many people as possible. Self-hosted RSS feed size matters for your server. If you host your RSS feed yourself, such as using PowerPress or you're hand coding your feed or you're using some other website plugin or content management system, then you must provide the bandwidth for delivering your full RSS feed to the majority of your audience. For example, let's assume your podcast feed is one megabyte, you have 200 subscribers, and all of those 200 subscribers use an app that downloads your RSS feed every time they check for a new episode, which they have set to do every hour. So that means every hour, your server needs to serve about 200 megabytes. That doesn't seem too bad. Or in a day, nearly 4.7 gigabytes. Now it's getting a little bit higher. And that's only for your RSS feed. This may be perfectly acceptable for your web server, and it may be fine with the bandwidth that you get, but it is something to keep in mind, even if it's not something you really need to worry about. But aside from the bandwidth requirements, an uncached feed on your server also means more queries required to build the dynamic RSS feed with every request for that RSS feed. It's not simply one query that says, go grab the RSS feed and here it is. It could be thousands of queries that are running PHP, pulling stuff from the database, checking things, updating things, checking for the latest version, cross-comparing them, all kinds of things like that could be happening and even much more. It depends on the plugins that you have, the kind of server you're running, other optimizations that you have. So all of this stuff requires resources from your server, like your RAM, your CPU, disk activity, and more. So For one request to download your RSS feed, you could be getting hundreds or thousands of queries going on on your server. Then multiply those hundreds or thousands of queries by how many other subscribers are making the request for that same RSS feed at the same time. And then you can see how it can be very easy to quickly crash a server by exceeding its resources. And this is if you're not caching your RSS feed. Now, I know there are pluses and negatives to hosting your own RSS feed or using someone else's RSS feed for your podcast. So I've written two separate blog posts about this, why you may want to host your own RSS feed and why you may not want to host your RSS feed. For the links to those blog posts, look in the show notes for this episode, number 269 at com slash shrink RSS. Your RSS feed size is also important because some tools limit the size of your RSS feed. FeedBurner and some other tools have explicit limits to the size of the feeds they support. Let's take FeedBurner, for example. As much as I don't recommend it in most cases, and FeedBurner is not necessary at all for podcasting, and if you're going to use FeedBurner, try and use it in its very raw state. Don't use the stats 
especially the item download stats. Don't use SmartCast. That's the really bad feature in FeedBurner. If someone tells you to use those kinds of things inside of FeedBurner, it's bad advice. Please don't follow it. Do not use SmartCast if you have a good RSS feed creation tool in the first place. And in fact, FeedBurner may not be necessary at all. But let's assume you're using FeedBurner. FeedBurner has a limit for the source feed set to one megabyte. This used to be half a megabyte or 512 kilobytes not that long ago. So if you use FeedBurner or a tool like that, working with your RSS feed or sometimes certain other tools reading the RSS feed do have certain limits to how much data they can process at a single time. So if your feed gets too big, then your podcast might stop updating. Either the RSS feed stops updating itself, which is the case with FeedBurner, if you exceed that file size limit of one megabyte currently, then your feed will stop updating. It's still available, but it's not updating. Some apps may stop updating or may stop pulling new information from your podcast if your feed is too large. So this is why the size of your RSS feed matters. It matters for mobile data usage, for speed, for your server, if you're hosting your RSS feed, as well as for some tools out there that limit the size of RSS feeds they can work with. So here's what affects the size of your RSS feed. It's every single character inside of the feed itself. Think of this in simple terms like this. Los Angeles requires more space than LA because Los Angeles has more characters to it. Similarly, long paragraphs require more space than short sentences. It's the same way with your RSS feed. It's directly correlated to how much information is in that feed, how many characters are in that feed. So long paragraphs take up more space in your RSS feed than a short sentence. Also, an RSS feed is made up of separate XML tags. XML stands for Extensible Markup Language. It's the actual technology in RSS is essentially a set standard of specific XML tags. And these tags might be something like description or iTunes image, iTunes author, stuff like that. And you don't have to know what all that means. You don't have to worry about if you see that when you visit your RSS feed, because that's all made for other machines to read podcast apps, RSS clients, that kind of thing. You don't have to have your RSS feed be this pretty page. It's fine if it looks like machine text because it's made for machines to read, not for humans. The size of images, videos, audio, and any other linked assets inside of your blog posts, your podcast episodes, don't matter at all to the size of your RSS feed because those items are merely being linked in the RSS feed with some code, they're not being embedded in the actual RSS feed. So if you have a blog post that links to a podcast episode that's 200 megabytes in size, your blog post won't be affected by the size of that podcast episode. It's affected by the code inside the blog post, or the RSS feed is affected by the code inside of it. All of these little pieces of data, not the linked assets, but the the other pieces of data, the RSS tags, the content, all of that stuff combine to make the RSS feed. And each one of these pieces affects the overall size of that RSS feed. Thus, the more information that the RSS feed holds, the larger it will be. RSS feeds can be compressed with GZIP through a caching plugin or an intelligent RSS tool. 
But the core idea of shrinking an RSS feed is reducing the amount of data it contains. If it has less data, it's a smaller feed. If it has more data, it's a bigger feed. So here are six ways to reduce the size of your RSS feed. Your option to use these tools may be based on the particular tool that you're using to create your podcast feed in the first place, whether that be WordPress and FeedBurner or PowerPress or Libsyn or SoundCloud or anything like that. So you may not have all of these options at your disposal, but do keep these in mind and potentially ask the company that makes that tool you're using to create your RSS feed if they support these or if there's anything they can do to reduce your RSS feed. I'll focus primarily on PowerPress and Libsyn since those are the top feed creation tools that I recommend. Number one, enable gzip compression. If you use a third-party tool such as Libsyn to create your RSS feed, they probably already compress the feed to reduce its size. So this may not be an option that you have to enable. But if you are hosting your own RSS feed on your site, like with WordPress and PowerPress, then setting up a caching plugin will not only give you better performance of your website, but it could also cache your feed and compress the feed too. Just ensure that whatever plugin or caching tool you use is compatible with whatever is creating your RSS feed. Like in the case of PowerPress, the caching plugins I recommend are WP Rocket, WP Super Cache, and W3 Total Cache. There are separate options and support for each of those. Check with your web host to see which one they recommend and ensure that the feed caching is on as well as the option to gzip your pages and your feed so that can reduce the size right there that's number one enable gzip compression and you don't have to change any of the content in your feed it's simply compressing what is available number two use a podcast only rss feed if you blog on your wordpress website which i do highly recommend by the way that you blog between your episodes or blog when there's something late breaking that you can't get a podcast episode out or you simply want to practice better writing blogging can be great so i highly recommend that you blog in addition to podcasting but if you blog on a wordpress website and you use your wordpress website's default rss feed which would be something like myawesomepodcast.com/feed then blog posts and podcast episodes are being combined into the same feed. That's fine for your primary RSS feed from your podcast. Because if someone subscribes in Feedly, you would want them to see both your blog posts and your podcast episodes. But that's not the feed you should use for your podcast when you submit it to podcast apps and directories. When your feed contains both blog posts and podcast episodes, two things happen. The first thing that happens is that podcast apps and directories will usually read only the podcast episodes and skip the blog posts. Thus, however big your RSS feed is, you're wasting space in that RSS feed by also including blog posts. And thus, you could optimize that by making the feed be podcast episodes only so that people who are downloading on mobile devices are downloading only what's relevant to podcasts and not downloading these pointless blog posts, and that is pointless for the podcast app. The other thing that happens when you have these two things combined into the same site feed and you use that is that blog posts will bump out podcast episodes when you reach your feed item limit. Let's say, for example, that you have 50 podcast episodes and 50 separate blog posts, 
and you publish a podcast episode, and then later in the week, you publish a blog post, then a podcast episode, then a blog post, back and forth like that. And you have your RSS feed set to display only the latest 50 items. So 50 episodes, 50 blog posts, a limit of 50 items. And you're blogging and podcasting back and forth. When you do that, a podcast app will then see only 25 episodes because the other 25 slots in that RSS feed limit of 50 are being consumed by blog posts. And this can happen with any combination. If you have five podcast episodes and then you publish 100 new blog posts since those five podcast episodes, those 100 new blog posts could then push out your podcast episodes completely. And if that happens, and that's the RSS feed you used when you submitted to Podcast Connect for iTunes and the Apple Podcast apps, you could even be removed from iTunes because they'll look at your feed and see there are no podcast episodes here. So this isn't a podcast feed anymore. Let's remove it from iTunes. If that happens, you can contact Apple support, explain the situation, get your podcast feed back into iTunes. You can also redirect your feed and some other stuff like that. If you need help with that, please contact me through the website. I have that information in the show notes at the audacity to podcast.com slash shrink RSS. For WordPress, the best way to get a podcast-only feed is to use PowerPress's default podcast channel feed. This would look something like myawesomepodcast.com slash feed slash podcast. It's that slash feed slash podcast part that's important. If you have something that looks like slash podcast slash feed, that's probably the category RSS feed. Or it might be something like slash podcasts slash feed or slash podcast hyphen episodes. It's anything that is the name of the category. That's your category RSS feed. And that can work, but it's never been the best idea, except in very, very rare cases. In general, assume that you don't need your category RSS feed. You need the PowerPress default channel feed, which is slash feed slash podcast. This default channel feed from PowerPress will always contain only podcast episodes that you've entered into the podcast episode widget in your post editor of WordPress. If you put in a podcast file by simply using the shortcode and you didn't use that podcast episode widget, that doesn't go into the RSS feed. If you used some other player to embed media into a post, that won't go into the RSS feed as a podcast episode. Only what you enter into that podcast episode widget becomes a podcast episode that goes into that PowerPress default channel feed. If you can't or don't want to use PowerPress or the PowerPress feed, consider using the RSS feed from your media host, and that is a reputable podcast media host. And right now, the only host that I can 100% confidently trust with your RSS feed and recommend their services completely are Libsyn and Blueberry. By the way, if you want to sign up for either of those, use my promo code NOODLE and you'll get a free month with either of those companies. There are other good companies too, like Podbean and Spreaker. Both of them are pretty good and the same promo code gets you a free month with either of those companies. But the two companies I'm the most comfortable and confident recommending are Libsyn and Blueberry. If you're using any other media hosting company or any other RSS feed creation tool, I highly recommend that this would be the case where you should run your feed through FeedBurner. But if you do, 
turn off the item download stats, turn off all of the other features, especially SmartCast, unless you absolutely need it. Then with if you're using the RSS feed from your media host, then you don't have to worry about what you publish on your website because you know that everything you publish through your media host is going into a podcast-only RSS feed. Then your website could even crash completely and your podcast still stays online. Or you can publish stuff to your podcast RSS feed that you don't have to publish on your website as well. That's the power of having these two things split apart. So this is the number two way to reduce the size of your RSS feed is to use a podcast-only RSS feed. Number three, activate PowerPress's feed episode maximizer feature. If you use PowerPress to make your podcast RSS feed, then there's this great feature called Feed Episode Maximizer that reduces how much information is attached to the episodes past your latest 10 episodes. Thus, this significantly reduces the size of your RSS feed, especially if you have a lot more than 10 episodes in your RSS feed. You could be reducing the size of your feed by 50%, 75%, 90% maybe by using this tool. And through PowerPress 6.3, Feed Episode Maximizer is available on only the default channel feed and other channel feeds, as well as post-type feeds. But later versions of PowerPress offer the feature on category and taxonomy feeds, so you can still get that great benefit that used to come only with the channel feed. Enable that And you can have the same number of items, you can have the same RSS feed, as long as you're using that specific feed that the feed episode maximizer is enabled on, and that will significantly reduce the amount of data in your RSS feed and thus shrink your RSS feed. That is assuming that you have a lot of data to begin with on your individual episodes, like long show notes or transcripts or a lot of metadata. That's when you'll see the biggest benefit with feed episode maximizer. But if you already have a fairly small RSS feed with very little data in each episode, then you may not see much, if any, change when you enable feed episode maximizer. But it is my number three suggestion. Activate PowerPress's feed episode maximizer. Number four, switch the feed from full content to summaries. Remember that every character in your RSS feed takes up extra space. So Instead of publishing thorough show notes or complete transcript in your RSS feed, consider reducing the written content to summaries. If you use WordPress, go to settings and then reading and switch the option that says for each article in a feed show, switch that from full text to summary. This uses the first 55 words or so of your blog post, or if you write an excerpt, for your posts and you have that excerpt field enabled, which I do highly recommend, by the way, then it will use that text regardless of its length instead of the full content of your post. That's one of the great reasons I highly recommend that when you're creating a post, go up to screen options, click that, enable excerpt, and write an excerpt for your post. So then you'll end up with the truncated first sentence of your post. But you can write something that communicates everything you need to in one short sentence or one short paragraph and that's the excerpt and that's what would display in your rss feed instead of the entire post when you switch that reading option from full text to summary the more text you write for your podcast the more this helps if you write really thorough show notes like i do 
but then have a couple sentences as your excerpt, then instead of publishing pages of notes, it's publishing two sentences. This is mostly irrelevant if you're using the PowerPress feed episode maximizer feature, since this is doing kind of already the same thing for the episodes that are beyond your latest 10 episodes. And for your last 10 episodes, Feed Episode Maximizer includes all of the information. So switching from full text to summary will still shrink your feed a little bit, but it may be unnecessary if you use Feed Episode Maximizer. If you use a different tool for creating your podcast RSS feed, such as Libsyn's or Blueberry's media hosting feed, then it's more about how much content you decide to include in your individual episode posts. It's not something that you can simply switch in the software necessarily, but it's your decision. Are you going to write paragraphs and paragraphs or pages of notes, or are you going to write a single paragraph and keep your RSS feed small? That's number four, switch the feed from full content to summaries. Number five, simplify formatting. Rich text formatting, that's bold, italics, colors, size, fonts, uh, hyperlinks, and much more, may not appear to change the number of characters that you see when you're creating the post, but it does add HTML code to make those changes possible, and that HTML code then adds more characters, and then that makes your RSS feed bigger. For example, if you look in the show notes for this episode, number 269, at slash shrink RSS, under this 0.5 simplify formatting, you'll see that I list two bullet points. One says the Audacity to Podcast, nothing fancy about it. The other one says the Audacity to Podcast. It's underlined because it's a hyperlink, so it's linking to something. It's italicized, and I change the color to green. Visibly, that takes the same number of characters as the first example where I just wrote the Audacity to Podcast and didn't do anything fancy. But behind the scenes, there's a lot more HTML going on. In the first case, writing simply the Audacity to Podcast, it's that exact same text in the HTML, no additional characters. But in the second case, where it's hyperlinked and the color is changed and it's italicized, it has more than quadrupled the number of characters necessary to display that text. So this doesn't mean that you should completely avoid rich text formatting, like bold, italics, hyperlinks, that kind of stuff. I really do recommend that you use those things and headings where appropriate to group your text or to give your text an outline of some sort, some hierarchy. But you need to keep these things clean and simple. Try to avoid changing colors because that especially can add all kinds of extra code in order to simply change a color. It's not like just setting it to red, but it has to add the span, a style, the color name, and some other stuff inside of it. Also be careful with pasting text from some other program into WordPress. If you're pasting, here's one thing that you can try, and this is fairly universal in many apps that support rich text formatting. On Mac OS, use Command-Shift-V, or if you're on Windows or Linux, try Control-Shift-V, and this usually pastes the text in a plain text format version, so it inherits whatever style is applied to where you're pasting instead of carrying over a bunch of styles with it or a bunch of hidden characters or hidden styles. 
if you're using WordPress to create your show notes, there is a paste as text toggle that's buried underneath the more options toolbar on the post editor. That's the second toolbar that can display inside the post editor when you enable that from one of the buttons on the first row of the post editor toolbar. If you enable that and then paste, then it does the same thing as command shift V or control shift V where it's pasting as plain text instead of carrying over all of those styles from whatever other program you used. For example, if you copy text from Google Docs and paste that into WordPress, every paragraph of your text has extra HTML added to it, even if the text looks exactly the same as the text you already typed in WordPress, there could be extra stuff going on behind it, and that extra hidden code means it's taking up more space in your RSS feed. So clean that up, keep it simple, use those special pasting tools to simplify the formatting of your text, and don't get crazy with coloring, changing the font sizes, and that kind of thing. Use the tools that are already provided to keep it simple, and use the formatting when it actually makes sense, not just because you want something to stand out, but because you have a reason for it to stand out, or you want to communicate hierarchy. That's number five, simplify formatting. Number six, reduce the post or episode limit. This is my last recommendation, and it may seem like the most obvious, but I saved it for last because it's my least recommended option. You could set a smaller limit to how many episodes your podcast RSS feed contains, and this will have a big impact on the size of your RSS feed. In fact, this may have the greatest impact of all of these other things because the individual items account for most of the data in your feed. For example, in a feed that has 100 episodes in it, each episode will account for an average of 1% of the overall feed size. Thus, changing that limit from 100 to 50 could cut the size of the RSS feed in half. However, this is really your last choice and my last recommendation. Try to do the other things before you do this, especially if you have a timeless podcast and timeless content in your podcast. Apple's podcast apps limit directory listings to the latest 300 episodes of a podcast. All of those episodes then do contribute to that podcast findability and its search engine optimization or SEO. Once subscribed though, someone can access your archive beyond the latest 300 episodes, regardless of how many episodes display in the Apple Podcast app. They can access them as far back as your RSS feed goes. You could have a thousand or 3000 episodes in there and they could have theoretically access to all 3000 episodes directly from your RSS feed. But that might not be how many episodes you'd actually want to include, maybe because of iTunes, maybe because of the feed size. But when you adjust the limit of your RSS feed, it does significantly reduce the size of the feed, but it does also have a personal impact on your audience. This is ultimately your decision, but here's what I recommend that you consider. For timeless content, that is stuff that people will want years from now, I recommend setting the limit to 300 because that's the limit inside of iTunes and that's the limit of the number of episodes that can be searched. 
If you have more episodes than that, then consider publishing archive feeds for your podcast in iTunes for the first 100, 300 episodes at a time. This is what John Lee Dumas does with Entrepreneur on Fire because he publishes a daily podcast. He gets to 300 episodes a lot quicker than a weekly or a monthly podcast would get. So by publishing the archives of those first 103 episodes at a time, and then the 100 to 300 episodes after that, and then after that and such, it keeps all of that content still easily findable and consumable inside of iTunes. But then you can have your main show that is the last certain number of episodes. Whatever you set that to, I recommend that you make it 300 if it's timeless content. For current events content, that is time-based stuff that honestly won't matter much or at all years from now, I recommend a smaller limit such as 50 for a weekly podcast and thus that gives you the last year's worth of episodes in your RSS feed and in iTunes. I wouldn't count TV show fan podcasts in this category because even though they are somewhat time-based, people will still watch that TV show years from now. So they may still want to find a podcast years from now about that TV show, even though the TV show may not even be on the air anymore. Don't remove your podcast from iTunes if the TV show you podcasted about is over. People might still want it. So I would count that as timeless content. Keep that online as much as possible. And then the third scenario is for podcasts that sell the back catalog of episodes, I recommend limiting the RSS feed to three to 10 episodes. I think that seems like enough for someone to get hooked on your content and eager for more such that they would be interested in paying to get more than those latest number of episodes or paying to get access to your entire catalog and not having to worry about downloading their episodes within a certain amount of time or else they lose access to those episodes. But this also is small enough that it doesn't give them access to everything you publish. But also remember that the fewer episodes are visible in your RSS feed and thus in iTunes and other podcast apps and directories also means less search engine optimization for your podcast. So you need to balance that out carefully. If you use a PowerPress feed, you can adjust this episode limit in the PowerPress feed settings. But if you're using the default WordPress feed or a category feed, and again, I don't recommend these for your podcast feed, but if you're using them, then to adjust that limit, go to the WordPress settings, the reading section, and then there is a spot for you to adjust how many items are available in the RSS feed. If you use a third-party tool to create your RSS feed, then look inside their settings. With Libsyn, for example, go to Destinations, Libsyn Classic Feed, scroll down to the Advanced Options, expand that, and then you'll see the Episode Slash Post Limit, and that's where you can enter a number or set it to zero to make it unlimited. That is number six, reduce the post or episode limit. Again, these six ways to reduce the size of your RSS feed are number one, enable gzip compression. Number two, use a podcast only RSS feed. Number three, activate PowerPress's feed episode maximizer. Number four, switch the feed from full content to summaries. Number five, simplify formatting. And number six, reduce the post or episode limit.
If you have some questions on this or want to provide some feedback, some of your experience and what you think when other podcasters you listen to or watch reduce their number of items in the feed or if you've ever been impacted by trying to reduce the size of the RSS feed, please comment on the show notes for this episode number 269 at com slash shrink rss that's also where you can go to get the links and other resources that i mentioned and share this episode out on twitter i really appreciate it when you share the episodes i see it in my twitter stream when people share different episodes and just recently someone shared episode one of the audacity to podcast and i almost felt like i had to apologize to them because back when i first started the audacity to podcast i think i was pretty arrogant and hadn't really found my particular niche and approach to podcasting, but they said they loved the first episode. So I was happy they did, but do share those episodes out and I really appreciate it. And it's a great way to support the podcast. Another way you can support the podcast is by writing an honest review in iTunes. And I want to thank Viv Will from the United States of America who wrote this in iTunes saying, what I like most is Daniel is so honest and earnest. It's not a scam or a brag about how great he is ever. Some other podcasts feel always like mini marketing ads for their owners. He doesn't. It's clearly his love and livelihood, but never spammy. It's clear and he really wants to help his listeners. Well, thank you very much, Viv, for that kind review on iTunes. It really encourages me. And I like reading these reviews, not just to puff myself up or anything, but because these people deserve a shout out. They said something nice and I want to give them some attention, a little shout out because sometimes podcasters might never have a question for me. So they never get that little shout out in the audacity to podcast, but this is a way that you can get a shout out is when you write a review and be sure to include your name or your Twitter handle or the name of your podcast or something like that. So I can mention it as well in the show as well as in the show notes. If you would like to review the Audacity to Podcast, then go to theaudacitypodcast.com slash shrink RSS and click on the appropriate link for iTunes, Stitcher, or one of the other podcast apps to write a review there, and I would be very grateful. And if you want your own podcast reviews delivered to you automatically and also collected in a place where you can sort them, filter them, share out individual reviews, easily copy and paste your reviews to be able to use in different contexts, then sign up for my podcast reviews at mypodcastreviews.com. I want you to know about something really cool and I'd love for you to participate in this. It's called Podcast Success Summit. The link for that is theaudacitypodcast.com slash PS Summit. And Summit is with two M's. I always make that little mistake in my own typing. But this is an online summit by podcasters for podcasters. It has a great lineup of speakers like Jay Bear, Jordan Harbinger, Rob Walsh, Rob Greenley, Colin Gray. I'm participating in it as well. Dave Jackson, Kate Erickson, Mike Russell, and many, many more. There are so many speakers and great presentations in this that there's not the time to list all of these. You'll recognize some of these names. You won't recognize some of them, but it's an excellent lineup of speakers all talking about amazing aspects of podcasting. For example, list building for podcasters or engaging your audience or how to get your first 1000 fans or podcast networks, how to podcast like a pro, how to repurpose your content, how to get featured on podcasts, podcasting and collaboration, how to get top-notch guests for your show, recording your show on the go, and much, much more. This is loaded with information. And I'm thrilled to be part of this as one of the presenters there talking about podcasting workflow. 
if you want to register for this, and I highly recommend that you jump on this right away because you get free access to these sessions and you can watch them within a short amount of time after the sessions have been made available. After that, though, then they're restricted to only lifetime members of Podcast Success Summit, and I think it's a great value for what you're getting, all of these great courses and stuff, and you don't have to leave the comfort of your own home or office. So go to theaudacitytopodcast.com slash Summit to register for free, to watch these videos for free when they first come out, but I really think that you'll love the value of joining as a lifetime member so you can watch these sessions at any time. That's at theaudacitypodcast.com slash Summit. I'm really excited about podcast movement coming up. I'll be speaking there on how to make your podcast stand out. If you want to register for that, then use promo code SOCIETY and you'll save $40 on your registration. And it's a great way to get there network with me and other podcasters. And if you're there, please come up, introduce yourself. If we've never met, give me your podcast card. Tell me about your podcast. I'd love to meet you. I'll also be at Podcast Movement as a sponsor. So I've got a booth because I'm sponsoring with Podcaster Society, which will be open by July 1st. 2016. I'm really looking forward to that. I've got some great stuff in the works behind the scenes to make Podcaster Society even better. That's the community for podcasters to give them everything they need after episode one. So you've already launched your podcast. You need help to improve it and grow it. That's what Podcaster Society is for. That's opening on July 1st, 2016. Now that I've given you some of the guts and taught you some of the tools, it's time for you to go launch or improve your own podcast for sharing your passions and finding success. I'm Daniel J. Lewis from theaudacitypodcast.com. Thanks for listening. The Audacity to Podcast is a proud member of Noodle Mix Network. Find more of our award-winning and award-nominated podcasts to make you think, laugh, and succeed at noodle.mx. Please remember that the podcast awards are almost open for voting. We don't know yet what podcasts are finalists there, but if you want updates on the podcast awards and what podcasts we recommend that you vote for, including any of our own if they are in the finalist positions, then go to noodle.mx slash podcast awards and sign up for the updates over there. The Audacity to Podcast is also a proud member of the Tech Podcast Network. If it's tech, it's here. Find more at techpodcasts.com.